Welcome everyone to a very special episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and Andrew Johnson will not be joining us today. That's because we are talking about a major movie from a different sort of perspective. I host another podcast called Awesome Truth, a wrestling book club, where we review books and documentaries all about professional wrestling. This week on that podcast, we're breaking down Hobbs and Shaw with In Real Deep's resident Fast and Furious expert, Hulk. And we thought it was a great time to combine worlds and pass along our Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham takes on this feed as well. Andrew and I will be back shortly with more great content. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the awesome truth review of the new big blockbuster adventure, Hobbs and Shaw. Welcome, everyone, to Awesome Truth, a wrestling book club. I'm your host, Steve Semino, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Walt Schwenk. Hey, Walters. Hey, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing very well, my friend. I hope all of our listeners are doing very well. I hope they are all ready to embark with us on another slightly different adventure. We've been expanding our horizons for a bunch of episodes now, getting away from the written word a little bit. We've talked about movies. We've talked about wrestlers as actors. We've talked about feature films in theaters, but this is a distinct, unique treat because it's not really a wrestling movie by any means, though it does star maybe the most popular wrestler of the last couple decades, if not ever. He's in the conversation, he's in the debate, and we just thought it would be a very fun treat to talk about him and his movie and his success. Also, given there's another wrestler in this one, there's a lot of ties to pro wrestling in this one. Of course, I mean Hobbs and Shaw, the new hit film, making lots of monies, being very successful. Do people enjoy it? We can talk about that. But regardless, it, it just seemed like a great topic for Awesome Truth to really get into Dwayne The Rock Johnson, his <clears throat> rise to superstardom, and then maybe his biggest role ever in this one. A bit of an asterisk. Uh, I believe the title of the movie is The Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. And <laughs> oh, because- of course. My apologies. Yeah, well, you don't apologize to me. Apologize to our... Uh, esteemed guest we have on the fast and the furious franchise expert i believe you know him very well chris holcomb welcome to the podcast oh it is my honor to be here and talk about this franchise and this glorious movie (laughs) if you if you're familiar with my podcasting work outside of awesome truth i also host a show called the in real deep podcast and hulk has been on that that show many many times to talk about i believe every fast movie since fast five or at least a whole bunch of them. He is definitively the resident Fast and Furious expert. He's also a huge rock expert. So this is really, Hulk, your time to shine. We are going to pepper you with Hobbs and Shaw questions, starting with, did you like this movie? Was it? Well, actually, tell us, what were your expectations going in, and how did you feel walking out? So my expectations going in was a lot of what the marketing kind of put in my face was uh, the rock and Jason Statham just going at it with quips about Jason calling Rock a wanker and Rock calling Jason a little twink guy. And that's kind of what you got. But the problem is you got like two and a half hours of that. Um, So to answer your question, did I like this? No, with a question mark. (laughs) Um, I, I think a lot of it happened. The shortcomings came with the length of the movie. Um, it was, there was a scene where they're all driving out. They saved uh, Vanessa Kirby from Chernobyl, which I thought it was. 
and they're driving out and the big rock has this big truck and Jason Statham jumps the dune buggy onto the car. I'm like, man, this movie's still going on. It's like, this feels like the end, you know? And in my head, I'm like, oh, I know there's a whole Samoan like arc that we still have to get through. Yeah, that was a real, so, that was a troublesome element of that part. Like, that's one of those sequences, one of those scenes where they want you, the crowd, to be super pumped and excited. Look at all the action. The cars are flying all over the place. They're shooting at each other. Like, you should be, in theory, we should all be so pumped to see where it goes and what happens next and wait for the big stunts. But I was felt the same as you. I was checking my watch and being like, oh, my God. Like, there is, there is a whole other set piece to come. Like, there is 45 minutes left in this movie, and we have not <laughs> even finished this battle. Like, this does not bode well. And and the connection to Fast and Furious as well, you think, man, they can finally kind of get away from all the other movies. And and then after walking out of the theater, I'm like, man, I really needed a little like sprinkling of Vin Diesel in this whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. You needed the familiar. Exactly. You needed that familiar to balance this whole thing out, which, and I believe I've I've mentioned in a previous podcast that the, the, um, kind of the allure of the Fast and furious movies is that like the exotic cast and the exotic locales they go to and it kind of like they they jet set and they go around the world and i guess they technically did that in hobbs and shaw they go with samoa but it felt so force-fed to us it didn't feel natural to any part of this movie whatsoever it rocks us i'll happen to know somewhere we can go where we're off the grid and we can have this huge basically war and governments won't get involved yeah, you actually hit on a really good point that kind of bothered me when I walked out of the theater. It's like, not that I think the Fast and the Furious movies are on this like un, unconquerable pedestal, but like there was certainly something missing from this spinoff, and it, it's it's a spinoff by all by all definitions of a spinoff. And I'm curious, you know, you you just mentioned though that they they had a chance to do something different and they had a chance to not be kind of uh, weighed down by the whole like fast cars conceit. Like I'm curious in your, in your opinion, like what is the, what was the most missed opportunity with the spinoff? Like where, where could they have gone and they just failed to do so? Or, or what was their pitfalls and that the regular fast movies don't necessarily fall into? So I think there, it's almost like an inevitable pitfall was in the sense that it was a spinoff. And I think they could have avoided this by actually tying it, tying this movie more to the canon or the main storyline of the Fast franchise. They mentioned, you know, that Mr. Nobody gave them some information to help them out. And if you're not familiar with the other Fast franchise, Mr. Nobody is the director of like a shadow branch of the U.S. government. He basically runs Black Ops to the government and then decides that Vin Diesel and his car racing gang is the best, the best company <laughs> the, the U.S. has and utilizes them. That's, for, that's neither here nor there. But they mentioned, you know, mis, this director, Mr. Nobody, like in a kind of patent and like, oh, remember that this is actually part of this universe because there's this connection. But if they actually maybe forked out a li- little bit more money, which I'm not sure they could have because I was reading some articles based on what this month movie has to make to break even. I'm not sure there was much more to spend. <laughs> Um, like I think that they actually kind of anchored it back in that universe a little bit, maybe introduce some of the lesser characters, like the, um, the female hacker from the original movie, maybe help Matt with something or ludicrous with something or 
even if they kind of, you know, went with their hats in their hands and talked to Vin Diesel, Tyrese, just like, just like for a quick cameo, I think that would have anchored the whole thing together. Be like, oh yeah, I forgot this, this movie is tied to that. Um, but the fact that they kind of lean so much on the chemistry between Rock and Statham, which I admittedly is there, but I think it was so great in the movies because it was sort of like a sideshow for the other movies. You're like, oh man, this is great. But they almost overdose on what was good about those other movies with this movie with between rock and stadium i think you're totally right and it's a weird thing to say like it feels dumb to say oh they really should have had more ties to the fast and furious cinematic universe like i don't want that i don't think that is a necessity in my movies but walt you like you said it's a spinoff like they and it feels like it, it is if you know a little bit about the backstory of these movies Vin Diesel and crew were apparently not happy at at least Rock, but also potentially at Jason Statham and some other people for making this spinoff, which interfered with their schedule to, to release their next version of the Fast and Furious movies. <coughs> There's some tension uh, behind the scenes. There's trouble. So I don't know if that played a role in why they tried to make it so distinct, but I think you're right. Like it just, it feels untethered and sort of floating in a, in a, and it almost makes it more irrelevant because you go like, why am I seeing this movie? It only exists because it is part of the Fast and Furious universe. Like these characters were created in that universe. Now they've been removed from it. And I sort of realized without even noticing that they don't matter and I don't care. You know, the, the reason they're there is gone. And all of a sudden it's just literally Rock and Jason Statham talking to each other. And you're like, that, I don't, they, they, they really don't have a purpose without Vin Diesel and the gang sort of hovering and being around. They're just sort of floating in the ether, and you're like, why am I watching this much of them saying the same things over and over and over again? I fully agree in the sense that with, with The Rock and Jason's interactions, it is I like that you so call him good. Jason, by the way, like your best friend. <laughs> it's like you're on a first-name basis I mean, with him. Wow. I mean, I've seen several movies with him in this role now, so it's like he and I are pals. <laughs> <sighs> but it really needs to be tethered back down to that universe, even like little things, which – if you didn't pick up uh, and when the rock is in the other fast and furious movies, he has this like really absurdly big, like tough guy looking goatee, which they shade that off for this movie, which you don't think is, a, you know, to me, it's not a, a big deal or the general public shouldn't be a big deal, but it's one of those things they could have kept at least the character looking the same to tie it back to the other movies, but he might as well be a completely different character in this movie, in my opinion, because he's so over what? the top with what he is. Let me let me go a step further and ask this question: Is Luke Hobbs a good character? Is fuck? What's the Shaw's name? What's Jason's? Uh, Deckard. Uh, what's Jason's? Yo, oh what's Jason's gosh. name? <laughs> de de is Deckard Shaw a good character? Because because when they first introduced, they're the foiled and Vin Diesel and the Me Familia, the Corona sucking gang. You know, whatever. What do they call themselves? <laughs> they, they should call themselves. They call themselves the Corona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really hard street name. But and my point though is like when they're first introduced, they're like, like Vin Diesel's foil, and they exhibit certain alpha male characteristics that like now, are, when you're watching this movie, are kind of gone. And and what made them once relevant to this universe, it's like they're completely different. And are, like, do we care anymore? Like the fact that he's from Samoa and has family strife or the other guys from Britain and has family strife. You know, I, now you're saying that I definitely agree with you because the, uh, 
Hobbs and the other movies was almost like the MacGuffin to legitimize them from street gang to uh, superheroes. I don't know, whatever you want to call them as a team, the <laughs> Avengers. Um, yeah. Because he was, he was sort of that, that, that bridge because he was the government agent per se, the government entity that's like, all right, I was against you guys, but now I'm with you guys and I can kind of liaison between you and Mr. Nobody and I'm the government kind of protecting you from all the weird, crazy stuff you're doing. But now he's out of that role. He's just, you know, this superhero guy flying around the world doing whatever he's got to do. It's it almost like it delegitimizes that character in the whole process. I And I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. And I think that it touches on something that we need to get into, especially given this is a pro wrestling podcast. I think one of the big takeaways I had from this, and this has been sort of brewing within me for a little while, but I didn't want to say it because I think he's so charming and I think he makes decent enough choices and it's really been harmless up to this point. But I think Rock's persona is wearing a little thin. Like I think Dwayne Johnson as an actor plays the same character in every movie. And I feel like Luke Hobbs for a little while there was a little different than just the smiling, no, you know, bland you know hero who saves the day of san andreas and skyscraper like there's not there's nothing to those characters they're just the rock and i think this was the one outlier where you could say okay rock has been boring lately in a lot of ways but luke hobbs like has something to it like he maybe maybe it's just that he wasn't the main good guy he was in an ensemble like you said he was the foil or at least he was you know comedic relief or uh he, he would have his own side story like there was a reason that Rock felt different and special in these movies. Now that he's just the leading man in it, it's the same boring Rock stuff that we've seen in those other movies that no one really likes. They're fine, they're forgettable, they're whatever. But I just, I think I expected this to be, have a little more edge to it and be just a little more interesting. And then at the end of the day, it's just Rock being boring and bland. And I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if after this, audiences get a little tired of it and start saying we need a little bit more from our Rock than just him smiling and cracking wise and being swole and on that same note i think the movie actually does personifies exactly what you're saying in the painfully long conversation with his daughter about the daughter explaining the people's eyebrow <laughs> she's like don't remember that thing you do with your eyebrow dad he's like no i don't do that i don't do that anymore and it's like it's, it feels like a painfully long like interaction or two then he has he's like hey honey and it's like a solid like pause between like what it is next. And then he, cause he's FaceTiming his daughter and then gives her the people's eyebrow. And I'm like, Oh, now you're just the rock again to, to your whole point. You're no longer this character. You're just, rock playing a character and that was the kind of stuff he would bust out in the early days of his acting career when he sort of had to lean on being the rock so he would do rock i think in the rundown he gives someone a rock bottom like you think he would do the eyebrow and stuff like that because those are like his rock trademarks but now he's dwayne johnson like it was weird that he went back to a very distinctly rockian you know trait and gimmick and when that's not he doesn't have to do that anymore like i just don't know it just felt like an, it does feel like very odd timing to deploy that and at this point in his career I mean, you, if you're the lead man, and we'll, we'll consider, for, for the sake of this conversation, we'll, we'll consider this part of like the, the, fran the whole franchise of Fast and Furious. It's like a $2 billion movie franchise now. And you, and you know, what he calls himself like Franchise Viagra, I think he was dubbed as. I mean, it's, and he's been, he's, he's been in five of these movies now. He said there's no reason to be The Rock, per se. You're just be the character. Uh, but so, speaking of wrestlers joining the fast and furious cinematic universe i, th I think this does kind of 
parlay a little bit into what might be coming down the pike too with uh, there's rumors that Cena, or I don't know, maybe they're confirmed rumors. Maybe it's not, it's not accurate to say a rumor anymore that John Cena, who has had a similar career path as The Rock, will be joining the franchise in some iteration. And we don't know what that means, but like, I wonder, you know, A, is Cena going to be someone who can give a different kind of character and flavor than The Rock in this same universe, the same setting? Or is The Rock kind of already has played that role that Cena would be playing and ultimately it's just going to be more of the same. Well, first of all, it's confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) And we should specify that Hulk is not only a rock expert, but I would say also a Cena expert as well. So you're, you're well versed to give your opinions on both of these fronts. Someone say he's more of a John Cena expert. (laughs) I don't want to put those words in his mouth. I don't feel comfortable saying that exactly. Well, I, I, if nothing else, we'll say mega fan. But uh, I believe I saw a, uh, I think Vin Diesel or somebody from that from that film set because they just started filming Fast Nine, I believe, or whatever they're gonna call it, Fast and Furious Nine. Is The Rock in Fast a, Nine, or as we know, is he not even in the franchise anymore? I I don't think he's. If he's in it, they're not saying he's in it yet, or it's gonna be like a, maybe a surprise. But as of now, I would say no, he's not. Um, but the, someone from the cast tweeted out a pic and it was like basically a cast picture and Cena was kind of there hovering in the back. So he is on, he's on site filming this new Fast and Furious movie. And how do you feel about that? I mean, this should be extremely exciting. Like, but I think, well, maybe what you were getting at, or at least the way I feel about it is, you know, Rock, at least, even though he's he's been a little neutered in this one, he's a little toned down, he, he brought something to those movies. Fast Five is widely regarded as the very smart pivot of those movies away from just car racing dudes and dudettes into, like, fun, heisty stuff. And Rock was really good, especially in the early days of that pivot. Now he's getting a little bland. Does Cena have the chops? Does Cena have the personality to be anything more than just another bland you know is he gonna be this this you know microwaved you know lukewarm rock is that just gonna be seen from the start or do you think he's actually gonna show up and give it a shot in the arm i i don't think they can i don't think they can just like uh copy paste rock's character i don't i think that'd be a mistake if i had a wish and because i think you know rock had several movies prior to these movies so he kind of like built up his quote-unquote acting chops through movies, and not to mention that, I mean, they're both pro wrestlers. They've been on, on a microphone for years and years. For how good they are in mics is, you know, different stories. Um, but see, I would like to see Cena kind of maybe do a little more comedy-ish type stuff, because I think Cena's sort of, like, self-deprecating. Like, when he does, like, the comedies, like, uh, blockers, I thought he was really, really good in blockers. And I, th- I like to see, like, him be a tough guy, but also not just be, like, a straight gorilla testosterone dude. They got to do something different than just be another Luke Hobbs type character. It's to answer your question, because at that point, what are you doing? You're just putting a different swole man into this role for the sake of because somebody got angry at The Rock and they said you're not coming for Fast Nine. <laughs> it sounds like that's what's happening. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of what it feels like, isn't it? Like they get mad at him, like you know what? Maybe you don't you don't have a spot for you in this movie. We'll just hire your on screen nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they it's like they kicked him out of the lunch table. It's like sorry Rock, you can't sit with us anymore. John's gonna sit with us now. He's our new friend. But I, so I mean what what are your guys' thoughts on seeing it taking over? Is that a positive thing for the franchise moving forward? Is it gonna be what do you think? 
I don't. I don't think I've formed an opinion yet, Walt. Do you have? Do you have? Have you bothered to have an opinion yet on that particular question? I mean, I guess. I guess that kind of begs my original question: is like, does John Cena have an intangible as an actor that The Rock that's different than The Rock? I mean, he's done comedy. The Rock has skewed more family friendly in comedy, and really, his only comedy was what we saw in or central intelligence, I guess. But like, I think you're forgetting the hit movie, be cool. Walt, where the I rock was, I believe playing a, a gay man or, and then he was Vince Vaughn's friend. It was, I believe those are all things that happened in be cool. Is that a funny movie? I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> he was supposed to be to funny that. in it in theory. I don't know an execution if that's what happened, but I think but that was the my plan. Point though, my point though, is like the rock, you know, Played has played The Rock in many other movies, which is like a, supposed to be an alpha male brooding guy with a light sense of humor. And Cena is, for the most part, outside of the Bumblebee movie, just done like straight comedies. So to Hulk's point, maybe there is a comedic timing that he can bring to, that can make it a different character. But if you're just going to carbon copy The Rock, then we're in trouble, guys. So this brings up another question. Does Hobbs and Shaw, does that hurt the Fast and Furious franchise for you at least, Hulk? Like, are you excited? Like, Hobbs and Shaw is pretty, obviously is not consequential to the larger Fast and Furious story, as we noted, but it's really not consequential at all. Like, I couldn't, really nothing of import happens. Does that, does that sort of give you the inkling that they're running out of ideas? Like, it's, it was written by the guy, Chris Morgan has has written most of these movies. He wrote this one as well. He's writing Fast, Fast 9, Furious 9, whatever it is, like, uh, is is this portend trouble down the road, or do you think this is just a shitty spin-off outlier, and when they get back to the main franchise, they'll find enough to make it fun and interesting and worthwhile? I'm going to say they're going to find enough of the main franchise to like, do what they've been doing well with that, because I feel like this has so little in the terms of like the same bloodline of what goes on in those movies that I don't think it's going to be an issue. And, from, and it's my understanding that there's only either... I think Fast 9 might be the last one. I think maybe, I forget, either 9 or 10 is the last movie. So if nothing else, it's going to be done. So this movie can't really affect it too much. And then if, you know, if if the world universe wills into existence, there's going to be a sequel to Hobbs and Shaw, which they're clearly trying to set up its own continuation franchise. But I think to your, to your end, I think they're going to find enough with, uh, Fast Nine to be able to do what they've been doing from five through eight and just continue that trend and not let this affect it so much. That being said, do I want to see The Rock versus John Cena? Yes. <laughs> it does feel like, event. it does feel like unlikely that they will. Though, like you said, we don't know that Rock is going to be in this Fast Nine, or we don't know what the future holds for him in that larger franchise. I would be flabbergasted if they don't find a way to at least give us a Rock Cena interaction in one of these next couple movies. Like, or, or maybe he'll pivot to join the Hobbs and Shaw universe. Who knows? But like, if they don't have Rock and Cena interact and fight, or at least like have a sort of spitting back and forth at each other, I just don't know why we're all here. If that's the case, that would be such a wasted opportunity. And not to mention. You probably want to draw in your uh, your wrestling fan base just, just for the sake of saying these two are going to be acting together in the same movie and they're going to have some sort of big small fight together. You think that would draw in at least like 
an extra handful of like movie tickets. You know, yeah, all on, those, on the, those two million draw. people who oh, watch Raw every week. Like, oh, we got to get the two million Raw watchers that's, uh, that somehow do not already intersect with the Fast and Furious universe. <laughs> the <laughs> last guys, like, five grand who just are refusing to watch. Guys, remember, this isn't a, a WrestleMania main event. This is a fucking movie franchise. I don't think they're making business decisions based on our fantasy booking. <laughs> maybe they are who knows <laughs> at this point i mean we were just talking about this earlier it's like jokingly they're super superheroes they fucking introduce a super villain like with superpowers so who the fuck knows at this point what's that's a good point Walt. and what, what's players we're talking about the, we're talking about this movie and you think one of the main like big talking points is like just elba as another big name actor who has like who's a cyborg and we're just mentioning that in this whole like review of the movie, like, oh yeah, that was the thing that happened. I mean, and he's was, again, like, he's barely like relevant. He, like, he, I mean, he's there, and Idris Elba does a fine job with what he has, but like, it's the the cyborg thing is just an excuse so he can fight the both of them at the same time, and it never really goes anywhere. He's also barely a like, he's he's wearing bulletproof armor type stuff, and he's obviously a little stronger than, or is a lot stronger, I guess, than a normal person. But it does his powers are very ill defined, and it doesn't it's not even really clear what is going on. Like that just seems like a cop out to to have the story make slightly more sense. I just it, that also fell a little flat for me. I was and, and it's a waste of a tremendous actor in Idris Elba who you think is really gonna chew scenery and do something relevant and at the end of the day he's just kind of there because he's there you didn't think that uh the apple siri super villain was doing it for you though it would, you didn't like that that was controlling it just oba <laughs> wow <laughs> well the one other thing we should talk about again as a, as a pro wrestling podcast there is another wrestler in this movie who makes a lot of sense and there was uh, at least in the circles that we are online in or you know the friend groups we have or like the way WWE promoted it there was a wrestler in this movie that seemed like it was a big deal of course that's Roman Reigns and this is bas- this is his acting debut he did it on leave from WWE when he was dealing with his leukemia which he has luckily recovered from and seems to be doing great so they like there was a lot of tie-ins to this story you know Roman Reigns is in this movie with his cousin The Rock he's making his big debut it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be a big movie and I think a lot of wrestling fans were excited to say oh wow like I'm curious to see how how Reigns fits into this whole universe. Like, surely they will do something cool or relevant, or, you know, I don't know if he's a good actor or not, but let's see what they do. In actuality, he's a glorified extra. He has no lines. He says, ooh-ah, and his, does his taunt, basically. He gives someone a spear. He gives someone a Samoan drop. And otherwise, he's in the background of all the Samoa scenes just standing there, not even really looking or being that cool. Like, there's nothing that distinguishes. If you didn't know who Roman Reigns was, you would not know who he is compared to the other extras. There's no demarcation there to show you this guy is possibly someone relevant. This guy is just a Samoan actor that we hired to do this role. Like, there's just, it's, it, that was a big letdown for me. Not that I expected Reigns to really be terrific, but I thought there'd be something there. I thought there'd be a little meat to it. I thought there'd be a little fun acknowledgement or a little more of the wrestling tie-in. No, he's just there. And like you said, Hulk, by the time you get to those Samoa scenes, you're so goddamn tired. It's been an hour and 50 minutes. You just want to go home and go to bed. And instead, you're watching this dumb fight that cuts away a million times and Roman Reigns is sort of lurking in the background possibly doing something who the hell knows and on that same note I, I saw this movie with my wife fortunate or unfortunately for her <laughs> um she leaned once we got into Samoa scenes and she kind of realized like where like the, the story was going at that point she leans over to me and goes are the Usos gonna be in this 
because that would make that makes <laughs> that makes logical sense, right? What a great wife you have. That's uh, that's that the fact that she even knew that at all is a testament to uh, to how loving your partnership is and how that the fact that she listens to you and pays attention to what you do and watch. So. She she's absorbed at least enough of it to like understand that like what the, the Usos heritage would is and it would make sense for this scene in this movie. <sighs> all I'm gonna say is God bless the Usos as a as three wrestling fans talking about this movie because if I if I had never seen the Usos wrestle. I would have no idea what the fucking ooze is. And they're just throwing that term around like we're supposed to like understand what that means. <laughs> it's just like, thank God I'm a wrestling fan. I understand this, this like vernacular. It is a missed opportunity though. Like I'm sure there was some logistical issue with scheduling or whatever. Or maybe they're just such bad actors they couldn't even be in the movie. But it does seem like to have Reigns and the Usos there together with Rock would have been great. Like I would have certainly perked up for those Samoa scenes a lot more instead of other fat guys who are really, you know, irrelevant and as as a whole. It was it was definitely a little bit of a missed opportunity. Well, honestly, there's only so much to say about Hobbs and Shaw. It was definitely underwhelming. I have a review up that I wrote on my amateur film criticism website, inrealdeep.com, if you want to go check it out. It's a little bit too glowing. I think when I walked out, I thought it was good or good-ish. And every day that goes by, I think it's less good. So that's not a great sign for a feature film. But I will say to both of you this final question. Let's say this is making a lot of money. Hulk, like you said, it needs to make a ton of money to to break even i suspect it'll have no problem doing at least that if hobbs and shaw 2 is announced and comes out in a couple years will you be excited or are you going to not care like does is is this sort of lack of enthusiasm going to carry over to uh an extended hobbs and shaw ish universe i will barely lean on the side of excited because i'm gonna i'm gonna see it so i had to go with a positive (laughs) attitude (laughs) At this point, uh, I'm indebted. I'm indebted to the franchise. Well, I, however, will not be excited. <laughs> it just, it, I, honestly, this made me less excited for the next Fast movie, which, you know, again, these aren't the world's greatest movies. I hate to say that out loud, but they're not. They they have a ceiling, but they're still enjoyable. This veered to like unenjoyable almost, where I'm like. We've just really missed the the point here, haven't we? I think the fact that you can say that out loud with Hulk on the line and he's not correcting you or getting mad at you is a sign that this really was not a good movie. Because I think a couple months ago, Hulk would have leapt up and said, whoa, whoa, not good movies, huh, Walt? (laughs) But instead, it's like you sort of have to say, like, yeah. like I would say Furious 8 was not great either. And so they're definitely trending in a not good direction. Like after after 5 and 6 and even 7, I think everyone was getting excited for the silliness and the adventure and all that. But they do not seem headed in a great direction so i think it's fair at this point to wonder if they've gotten a little too bloated a little too up their own ass and just without any sort of real redeeming value beyond fond memories of the previous movies which were fun and exciting and felt a little bit more of an upstart now they just feel like required viewing but not in a good way and like oh well i guess i'll see this because it's out and it's big and rocks in it so why not and those are not necessarily good reasons to go to the movies i think there is a super cut version of this movie that could arguably be called a good movie. I think a lot of it is with the running length. Cause it's like that, the whole Chernobyl scene where they're in, they're trying to get back the virus and save Vanessa Kirby, who the character we barely even touched upon. Um, just, <laughs> I just, it, 
if you cut out like half of those scenes and like you cut the Samoa scene like down in half, I think there is a good movie somewhere buried in here. So which gives you hope that maybe for if there is a sequel or for the next Fast movie, they maybe learn from the sins of the past kind of thing. I hope so, man, because we didn't, we didn't talk about the cameos either. There's there's a couple cameos, Ryan oh. Reynolds, Rob Delaney, Kevin Hart, and I feel like with all those cameos, they were just like, they were, they, they, I feel like they had built-in pauses for laughter. Like, okay, the audience is going to be uproariously going crazy after this Ryan Reynolds line. So let's see, like, but in my audience, which was a, an early screening, I got to see it, you know, with, with a crowd that was that had made an effort to go see this movie a few days early, and you would think they'd be one of the more excited crowds to see it. They were yawning. Most, like, no one was laughing at Kevin Hart. Ryan Reynolds got a few laughs. No one knew who Rob Delaney was, which is fine. He's just, uh, you know, if you haven't seen Deadpool 2, he's not super well-known at all. But they're just, I just think none of them really hit home. And it just, I feel like that's indicative of the entire movie is it's just a lot of stuff that they, that on paper was probably fine. And you think that the charisma or the charm will carry the day. But by the time you're sitting in the theater, it just feels like a slog and all the fun has sort of been sucked out of it. Also, Game of Thrones jokes are oh. not the way to win over a crowd. <laughs> I guess there's no cultural touchstones anymore. They must have thought Game of Thrones was one of the last loving ones, but they didn't count on everyone hating the last season and not wanting to talk about it ever again. <laughs> and now, now they're and now they're hopelessly dating this movie by having those quotes in there, where you just you're, that's audible groans in the crowd too. It's like, oh, shut up about this goddamn show. The first Fast and Furious movie was about stolen DVD players. <laughs> this one was about The Rock fighting a cyborg controlled by an ai overlord <laughs> that really does that really sums it up very well it's it's uh what a long and winding road they've been on to get to this point and i'll just say as again as wrestling fans all of us i hope rock really tries something different soon i hope he steps outside of his comfort zone i hope he's he's made so much money he's built all this fame i don't see any reason why he can't take a chance i don't see any reason why he can't do something play a villain or play a like sort of sneering actually shitty anti-hero like give it a try rock like you're just you're at your pinnacle you're so swole you're so beloved like you're able to toy with that idea like this isn't the 90s you're not arnold schwarzenegger you don't have to just be in jingle all the way and smile like you can be a little you can do something off-brand and people will like it because it'll just make you seem like a more interesting unique actor as opposed to a smiling dude who's got nothing under the surface agreed what else is, what else is there really to say it's <laughs> a fast and the furious spinoff and that's exactly that, honestly that's exactly what we got the end. <laughs> That's true. Truer words were probably never spoken. We probably could have cut this, stopped doing this whole podcast and just said that, and that would have been adequate. But <laughs> instead, we talked for 40 minutes. But it was a beautiful 40 minutes. And Hulk, I'm I'm glad you're still on board with the franchise that is your bread and butter. I'm glad you haven't totally given up hope. And I hope for your sake that when Nine comes out, there's enough Cena and enough enjoyment that you um you stay on board with your familia and you suck down some Coronas and you have a great time. I will definitely have a great time. It's guaranteed. <laughs> and we hope you had a great time listening to this particular episode. As always, you can find our archives at awesometruth.libson.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Wherever podcasts are, we are there. And you can follow us on social media, all the big networks, at awesometruthpod. Hulk, thank you so much for joining us, for talking fast and furious, and for thinking about The Rock, your, your big favorite boy. Thanks for having me. It's always a good time.
Walters, thank you for joining us. It's, you have a, I think you officially win the most lukewarm about this movie award. So thank you, especially for sitting through it and then talking about it and not being filled with enthusiasm, even though you also love The Rock. So we haven't even – we undersold that element. You're a big Rock fan yourself, in, in, at least of his swollenness. So it's a shame that this one sort of fell flat. I talk to every, people at work and in my life. It's like, yeah, the, the new Rock movie came out, and I had to see it. So yeah, that's, that's how I still feel. No regrets. (laughs) And thank all of you for listening. And remember, the truth will set you free.